my name is Steve, and I'm going to be talking to you today about you know something I think we is around, and it's not necessarily new, but I kind of bring it together, and hope it's a way forward for us to talk about some architecture. Um, I work at VMware on the Tanzu team, which is the Kubernetes, but also I interact a lot with the data services team, and I've done data for a long time. So this talk is of particular interest, and I would love feedback, even though I'm not there. So you're like, hey, Steve, how can I get in contact with you? Well, you can use my Twitter address. I'm open for DMs. Uh, that's a zero on the end because I'm late like that. So let's go ahead and start talking about microservices and Kubernetes for your full data lifecycle. So the agenda for today, since we only have a hot minute of 10 minutes or so to do this, it's going to be only about talk about what I perceive to be the typical view of how data moves through an enterprise or through a company and then show the new slash old, it's actually not new in terms of a pattern, but it's new in terms of how we're using it, and why Kubernetes actually makes it even better, okay? So the typical view that I see in a normal enterprise company or what I've seen in a lot of places is, we have some outward facing system has data put into it, some data store, right? So usually they may not even control the data that's coming into the data store, so they may even use something like Mongo, something really unstructured, or it could be a relational database or something like that, right? And so that's some, it's pulling data or people putting data into it. And then we run some sort of ETL to get it out of that unstructured or whatever data store it first came into and then put it into the system of record. And usually this is some enterprise database, some big like honking database that the ops people and the DBAs really tightly control and do a whole bunch of stuff on. And then we run another bunch of ETLs against that system of record to actually produce secondary data that we actually start doing stuff with, right? So the data science team can get it, we maybe put it into some web accessible parts of it, but it gets extracted again from that database and put somewhere else. And um, each system, so each one of these pieces of that system are usually tightly integrated, it's usually some big application or something that's tightly integrated with lots of parts. And they have their own installation method, each one's installed a bit differently. They're configured differently, like they have different configuration parameters and how they work. They operate differently, like how you go about deploying them and scaling them or doing that is usually different between all the systems. And finally, monitoring is different for all of them as well. So like when you're trying to watch what's going on, you have to use different tools for different ones, right? And the other problem with this is usually hard to scale or add new functionality to these systems. Right? Or you'll have to write some sort of script, or you'll have to, it's just not a simple, easy process. Um, and how you're going to transfer data and stuff just can become complicated. So this is the part in the talk where I would hope that people would be nodding their head, agreeing with me, or I could ask people like, what are you seeing? But since this is a recording, I'm just going to assume everybody thinks that that was a great statement and typical, and we'll just keep proceeding. So my proposed improvement is something of move to more of a microservices architecture for all the places that data flows through your company, right? Use more of that loosely coupled data with clear boundaries like, and smaller pieces of functionality kind of wired together like, in a, like the Unix philosophy, right? But moving towards that, not just for our apps, but also for how we move data through our companies. Right? And I would like to also see us move as much of those pieces as possible onto Kubernetes because Kubernetes gets us automation and standards, right? And that's one of the great things for ops. People love standards. And actually, it turns out developers and data scientists love it too because they don't like that surprise of, oh, I have to work with this system this way and I have to now learn a whole new system. So I think moving to this kind of more microservice architecture and along with putting it on Kubernetes 
helps everybody out in terms of what's going on. So let's go through an example of something like that. So an example problem might be something like a company has IoT machines in all of their retail locations, right? And some of these machines are cash registers, that makes sense, but some of these machines are running algorithms to predict customer in-store incentives, right? And so the data science team is actually in charge of those algorithms, but the ops team is in charge of those machines and deploying stuff to the machines, right? And so the ops team is using JFrog Connect. To, it's a basically, from JFrog, it's sort of like a portal with some functionality to manage your IoT devices, deploy stuff to it. Um, and they, but the ops team also wants a record of resource utilization over time stored not in the connect place, but actually inside their own data center, right? So they have both those needs that they want to get done. And then the data science team doesn't want to learn connect. They've already learned R, they've learned Python, they know how to use Jupyter notebooks. They've done all this other stuff that they, Tableau, all this other stuff they need, and they don't want yet another system that's all about ops. Like they don't want to interact with that at all. But they do want automatic rollbacks for bad updates of their code, right? So if they've deployed something to the machines that has a bug in it or something like that, that the system detects that that's bad and rolls it back. Something's grabbing a bunch of CPU or RAM. Or, and, not or, and when that rollback happens, they want to be notified. And it could be in different formats, but they want to be notified that rollback has happened and why it was triggered. And then they would also like a dashboard at any point in time that they can pull up and see what all the different machines are doing, like how much resources are they using on all those different machines and what's their status. And so this is this would be like a hard problem to take and do in the old system. But in the new system, I think this is, we can achieve this in a really flexible and I find it fun to build way, right? So let me show you the proposed architecture that I've been working on for the, you know, the last couple of weeks. Um, I can't really demo it in 10 minutes along with the talk, so, but I can show you what we're talking about. So we have the Connect API, right, which is running up in the JFrog SaaS things. And then you have a Spring Boot app that's constantly pinging or pulling from that machine every, uh, from that API every 10 seconds. It just goes and says, hey, Give me all the machines that are in the, the data team's IoT devices every 10 seconds or so, go and pull and tell me what the CPU and RAM usage is for every machine. And so it keeps doing that. And so you could call this Spring Boot app kind of like the fetcher. And its only job in life is to fetch the data and then give it, hand it off to somebody else. Right? And who it hands it off to is it hands it off to a Gemfire cache. And this could be any cache, right? But you, it just throws it off to the cache. And the reason why we want to put it in the cache is I don't want to start dealing with databases yet. Like this is just the ephemeral data that I'm pulling. And I don't actually care about all of it because if the value doesn't change every 10 seconds when I pull it, then I don't really care about that data. I want to throw it away. And I also like it being in a cache because when I'm making that dashboard for the data science team, if I want the current value, the most current value, I can just hit the cache. I don't have to, I don't have to worry about the database, right? And so, the, and the cache will allow me to scale up and all sorts of other great things. Well, so then what does the cache do? Well, its job is to receive that data from the Spring Boot app, say, is this data newer, is the new data different from the old data that was in the cache before? And if it is, send a message off to the broker, right? If it's not, you can do nothing or just update it, which does nothing because the value stays the same. But if it is, send a message to the broker. And so what it does is it takes that data, turns it into JSON, the changed data, and sends it on to the rabbit broker, right? And so you can almost see this as like a change data capture system, but on a different, it's not capturing every change in the database, it's capturing something outside and then notifying different parts of the system and then other parts of the system are gonna capture that. And so the message broker, if, if you know anything about AMQP, it's basically 
the cash is only sending it into the broker in an exchange, which is kind of like this where it knows to send messages. So the cache is basically accepting new data, checking to see if we care about it, and if we do, send it on to a RabbitMQ broker. But it doesn't know about anything else before that and anything else after that. That's its only job in life, right? And then what the broker does, because it's got this exchange going, different applications can actually subscribe message queues to that exchange and then act on it the way they want to act on it, right? So we have, we have a Spring Boot app that is actually all its job is it's going to take that JSON, convert it into a database, the database schema, and then just push it into the system of record. So we'll have like a one for each machine. Maybe we have a table that is CPU and another table that's RAM and there's um, machines, CPU, timestamp, right? Like the value of the CPU and timestamp. And it just keeps putting those in as the system of record and it's only putting in when it's changed. So we don't have to fill the system of record with a lot of the same data values. But in, in addition, the message queue for, there could be a message queue for the Node.js application. This is a completely, because we're using microservices, we're exchanging things over JSON and it, you're just sending the JSON on to the Node.js app and it's very easy for a Node.js app to read JSON. And then it knows, oh, we exceeded that value that like 97, there might've been a change from 18 to 20, but the Node.js app knows like, oh, these are when we need to notify people Right. And so that's when it, it sends off to like Twilio or some other service, the notification. Right. And then the final one that we, at least in the architecture I'm working on, is a service that knows to roll back. So it also knows when what's a bad value for RAM or CPU. This is probably going to be another Spring Boot app. And what it does is when it detects that we've hit that, when it picks up a change where the value's gone above, it's going to call back into the Connect API and tell it, hey, roll back that last change you did because there's something wrong with it. And so we, here we've built this like loosely coupled system that was really easy for people to plug in. We could actually mix and match how the data flows. That system of record can then also be used in the dashboard. And the benefit of having this all in Kubernetes is that all of this is installed, monitored, it's all in the same framework. So we're basically using Kubernetes as the cloud OS to make sure for the ops people that they understand how all these things work together and they don't have to learn all these one-off beautiful snowflake things, right? And so, and we get some other advantages, which I'll talk to now. So everyone's happy at the end of this architecture. The ops people are happy because everything's automated. Notice that in that, no, there was no humans involved. Once that system is set up, all the actions are triggered automatically. And so there's nobody to go in and accidentally hit the wrong, forget to send an email or anything like that. Um, they can scale it easily because Kubernetes is made to scale. And that pattern that we're using because we're isolating little microservices rather than having some big bundled app, we can scale up the pieces where it needs to scale appropriately. Like for example, if um, that rollback system, for some reason it's, we need to actually have more of those going, we can just scale that piece up by creating more pods, right? And then have that be able to scale up and do what it needs to do without touching any of the other parts of the system and nobody else has to care about it. And Kubernetes can even do that automatically too, without ops touching. Um, it's either, easy, it's, this system is really extensible. It's easy to add other services just by making new queues, right? The service can declare a new queue onto that exchange and then it's gonna get change notification data and it can decide whatever it wants to do with it. But the RabbitMQ doesn't care, right? It just says, I'm gonna just keep publishing data. You wanna get it, you can get it and then go do whatever you want. And nobody, the, the Rabbit people don't have to tell the, the new service people, you know, you should write your code and go and you should, but, but it doesn't matter. It's just, I'm gonna keep publishing data. Um, there's a common platform for installing and running, which I think ops people are very excited about Kubernetes for. 
um, because you know instead of all these one-offs, it's one-offs, it's all the same kind of infrastructure. Data scientists, so you're like, okay, well, what's in it for the data scientists, right? And so what's in it for them is they don't have to touch anything ops related. There was nothing in that flow other than when they first deploy their code. There's nothing in that flow where the, the data scientist has to know what to do. And we could build custom screens and custom workflows just for them in an easy way. And if they want to, um, they don't have to even think about how the code is um, deployed other than how, wait, the system doesn't care how they deploy their code, right? So none of that said, hey, deploy it this way, deploy it that way. So they can own that process of how the code gets deployed out, but the system will take care of, is that bad deploy or not? And I can roll back after you do it. They can have real time and historical views to the data at the same time. And you could do a customized interface because we've capturing data in a bunch of different places for different purposes. They can also access and transform data easily with the new service queue, right? So they wanna do some other transformation on it. They can do that. They can also get notified when things go wrong. So they don't have to log into the connect portal, find out when things go wrong or anything like that. So my main hypothesis is we should be using the same patterns and tools to move data as we do for normal applications. Like notice there was no user real interface to that whole thing. We were just moving data through the system. But instead of having, what we would normally do is have some sort of microservices for like your Spotify playlist and then your Spotify song currently playing. But instead what we're doing here is we're using that same kind of architecture, which is actually moving as a way to move data through the system to the places it should be. And for those old folks like me, you should probably recognize this looks like enterprise service buses. It's a very similar pattern. It's been used over time. It's just now we're bringing some new tools to that same pattern and some easier ways to exchange messages than when instead of doing like system interops and stuff like that, to you take advantage of that pattern to bring that benefit into the, our modern data flow. So that is the end and thanks and data on. And again, um, I will be at KubeCon. So if you wanna come by the VMware booth, the VMware Tanzu booth, I will be there if you want to talk. I would love to talk to you about the stuff I presented or I can show you some of the demo of what I've been working on. You can also just ping me on Twitter at the Steve Zero. Thanks and enjoy the rest of Data on Kubernetes Day.